Blog Talk Radio. to anyone who just had major uh, hearing loss uh, thanks to me blasting their eardrums out with that. Anyway, we're here. We're connected, I, I think. You never know with these guys at Blog Talk Radio, but we are on the air. This is Kings of Non Sequitur, the off-season version of In Much Less Detail, the podcast, here with you live on a Tuesday night, July the 24th, 2018. I'm Dre, he's Jay, and we're here to look at the second half of baseball because baseball season is getting into the uh, to the nitty gritty, as they say, with the last couple of months of the regular season, and of course coming up very shortly next week, next uh, Tuesday night, the trade deadline, and the trades are flying already. The trade winds have been very strong. A lot of early trades uh, got done before the trade deadline came anywhere near, and now we have uh, at least tonight another huge move uh, that's just been made right before we came on the air. Uh, Jason, as always, it's a, it's trade season. It's crazy, and uh, actually, you can attest to how crazy it is uh, as it pertains to the fantasy league as well. Yeah, and you know we've we've joked around in our fantasy league over the years about the way that real baseball has become to mirror almost fantasy baseball. You know, with, with with the trades and the value propositions, and so, and sometimes you know the striking while the iron is hot, or, or or trying to get the drop on another team, or it it's crazy the way that you know I'm watching what's you know the way things have unfolded in our little league <laughs> that we're part of, and the way it sort of mirrors what's going on with with the big leagues and real baseball and, and you know, and teams, you know, there's the your, your teams that are clearly in dump mode thinking about next year, trading off their pieces, getting ready. It's so much fun and it's, it's created and you were, you were joking about it. You, you created uh, a little interest before the show with your, with your Twitter post towards me about the, the sort of industry I guess would be the best word that has sort of crept up around just rumors I mean you, you've got websites devoted strictly to nothing but trade rumors uh, I, we, we have that all over we have multiple ones anything with the fantasy news and this is the big time of year so I'm going to use a, I'm going to use a dirty term here when I try to equate this but this is the dare I say bracketology oh. of <laughs> the baseball season because it, it's giving all of these, you know, insiders, you know, the, the baseball insiders, like we always see, you know, with, with football where you've got this little, just, just kind of cadre of people 
like your Jay Glazers, Chris Mortensen, Adam Schefter types, all just, you know, with their inside info. Now all your baseball guys, and this is their time. This is probably the big one for baseball. It is the best by far of all of the trading uh, deadlines in the major professional sports. Uh, baseball's oh, done it. They, they've done it. They did it first. They've done it best. Um, you know, it's not necessarily over with the July 31st deadline because you do have another month then for the, the waiver wire. You know, the guy has to make it through, um, and then you can do it after. But this is where all the action is. And what's really interesting is how more of it is rumor and conjecture than ever what ends up being the reality. This year we've had a few big moves. But, you know, the way you look at it, there's 75 guys that are going to get traded in the next, uh, you know, a couple of weeks here. In fact, there was a website. I I don't want to incorrectly say who it was, but I'm going to say that I believe it was. I'm not sure, but I believe it was Bleacher Report or one of those who actually had an article, the top 75 trade targets (laughs) before the deadline. Top 75 75 guys are not getting traded in the next week and a half. Just going to throw that one out there. And even if they're not, then there's still going to be some guy out there that was number 77 is pissed off. Yeah. Why didn't I make that list? Man. Yeah. And, and what we're seeing, me. they dissing me. And what we're seeing here with the dismantling of the Orioles is month is several months too late to begin with. So I think that they are, Sort of behind the game because yeah, so we there are a lot of pieces that they should have been sort of jettisoning off before the season even started, um, at a time when they may have been able to get a, a higher return because you would have been able to trade these teams to somebody who would have had their usefulness for the whole year um, with Manny Machado and now here today uh, Zach Britton going to the Yankees, which I, I still don't get. My God, okay. I still don't trust that Yankees starting pitching. I'm assuming they're if they're going to make well, a move, one of the 75, <laughs> one of the 75 people that's going to get traded in the next two weeks is going to have to be a starting pitcher uh, to the Yankees because unless their plan is just hey, you know what, we've got one of the best offenses in baseball, we're going to break the record for all-time home runs in the season. Let's just have a lead after five innings. And then just keep throwing all these uh, top flight bullpen arms at people. Unless that's their strategy, it's not going to be a winning strategy because starting pitching does tend to factor very heavy in the postseason because you're usually going up against top notch teams who have ace quality starters. I don't think the Yankees have an ace quality starter in their rotation other than Severino. They have one guy, he can't pitch five times. And that's why they made this deal, I think. Uh, they're they're going to go double ring. Uh, yeah. They're, they're, they're going to try, the gonna... try to do it the way the Royals did it? Or are they going yeah. oh, to have the opener? Is Zach Britton going to start opening games now? going to send the starter out for two innings and, and go bullpen <laughs> from there. So, I, I, I don't the, know. I, I don't know if that's a winning strategy. One of the reporters that I actually respect because he doesn't engage in conjecture and, and rumors, uh, Joe Sheehan, uh, actually yeah. responded on Twitter to somebody who asked, so the Yankees aren't going for a starter anymore. What's going on? And Sheehan pointed out the top of the type of starter that they need, which is something between Severino and a four, which is they got right now, they got Severino and a bunch of fours. 
that guy probably isn't available for trade right now. That's why they had to go this direction uh, just to bolster up the bullpen. So I, I like the move in that in that regard. If you think about the type of starter that needs to fill in behind Severino, Tanaka, Sonny Gray, whoever they're going to run out there for their uh, two and three and four, they need someone to be in front of those guys to make sure that they don't they're not pitching uh, too many important games. That guy's probably not available right now. So instead, let's go the other way. Let's make our bullpen as solid as we possibly can and just shore it up and, and just put it where it's, you know, Robertson, Britton, Betances, and Araldus to finish it off and say, okay, come fuck with us now. What are you going to do? So I, I like that a lot, actually. Uh, when you think about getting that started that you talked about, they probably can't get that guy right now. Well, and before we continue here, I, I have to give you a few words of encouragement uh, from another on-the-scene correspondent here. <laughs> okay. Hello. Hello. Hi. How you doing what over you there? Do, what you do today? What did I do today? I went to work and then I went to the gym. I love you. <laughs> My mommy's outside with Auntie Dana. Oh. Tell Auntie Dana and your mommy I said hi. With the fire? She knows it down there. She go back to bed. Oh, Bye, I love you, Trini. <laughs> okay. <laughs> Always exciting when 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 the cute factor comes around. Love the cute factor. Awesome. Okay. So ask ask me what I did today, which is a, a first. That's that's the only woman in my life that cares uh, how my day has gone. <laughs> uh, so I'm very happy about that. Oh zing! Totally kidding. My 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 wife is is very loving and giving and caring and and all that good stuff. Uh, but no, yeah, the the cute factor is always great. Uh, she was trying to get into something there where she asked me how my day was going. I'm like, so okay, I'm going to tell you about my day, about my going to work and going to the gym. And right in the middle of saying it, I'm thinking to myself, this is the most boring day. I, I had not reflecting on how terrible my day was, but now that I think about oh. it, oh, I went to work and then I went to the gym. God, that's, uh, that's it's awful. A, it's a normal day. My, my, I know. Next, my, next, my next three days are going to be go to work, come home, go to bed, get up, go to work, repeat. <laughs> so, you know, I totally, I totally get it. So, you know, I, I get what you're, I totally get what you're saying about the, there, there's definitely a lack of, of quality starters in this year's trade deadline. Uh, when the names that are being thrown around as, you know, potential top flight targets are Cole Hamels and J.A. Happ, you're in trouble. If you need starting rotation help, that's not good. So uh, there's maybe some more offensive pieces. And even some of the offensive pieces that you're hearing, you know, thrown around. Uh, you know, I, I, I'm here in Wisconsin, so I, I don't understand. I mean, I actually totally love the fact that the Brewers 
have been linked to offensive pieces when they have – they're very similar to the Yankees where they just have an atrocious starting rotation. And, and the more they want to start, you know, throwing pieces and and rebuild pieces at, you know, middling middle infielders like Whit Merrifield and Brian Dozier, that's okay with me. <laughs> totally okay but, with me being a, being a Cubs fan watching the Brewers sort of dismantle their future when I, I was on record during our preview show stating that uh, I thought they were starting to get aggressive a little too soon. It's clearly the Cubs division and the Cubs are the most talented team in the division. And, you know, and we've seen that the cream is slowly starting to rise to the top. I, I the conversation I was having about the Cubs, somebody said, you know, they remind me of a, of a certain team, um, the, the way they behave. And I can't remember what their analogy was, but my analogy back was that they remind me of the Seahawks. I, I think you get where I'm going. Where they just they just now that they they won their Super Bowl or they did, and then they just started showing up every year. And about halfway through the season, they'd be you know four and five, and you're like, oh man, what's wrong with the Seahawks? And then they just went out, and then they'd go to the playoffs and do some damage. That's what the Cubs kind of remind me of. The Cubs remind me of a team that a very young team that that broke the curse and won the World Series, and they just kind of show up and just win on talent alone early in the season. And then as things start to like, you know, tighten up a little bit, it's like, Oh yeah, I forgot. They're really good. <laughs> and no, and they've that. already, and they've already started to, to create some, some separation. So that just makes me hope that the, the uh, Brewers get even more desperate and make some really dumb trades. Well, last year we, we, I kind of figured the Cubs would come out slow from all of the drama and physical aggression yeah. from the, the off season before, not the off season, but the postseason before. Um, and that's exactly what they did and came back and showed what they were made of. This year, I I, I didn't like the starting out slow again. I think they're better than yeah. that, and they're they're starting to show it now again. So, yeah, I, I see the the analogy yeah. that they're – they you, you'd think they can play a lot better than they are, but in the end, they're they're going to be there at the end. Right. And what's and what's really – what really is where I think as, as a Cubs fan or as anybody who's sort of appreciating what they've done here over the last few years, how – I don't know, jaded, spoiled. We've sort of become with this team is like, we, we were even talking about them this year. Like, hey, you know, they just, they're just not living up. To, they have the best record in the national league. <laughs> and I believe the highest run differential in the national league. And they're just, they're, they're all right. Yeah, okay. Yeah. yeah. It could be better, but, but it's right there. You're watching a team that's got the best record in the national league. That's just kind of played okay and they still have the best record in the national league just kind of getting by well right (laughs) so so that could be scary so that that, you know i'm I'm assuming they'll probably you know and you know theo epstein's been very shrewd um with deadline moves i mean he does seem to pluck the pieces that seem to uh push the right button so i you know and 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 people want to kind of bag on him oh he's gonna I, I've, he's earned a pass he gets a full, he gets a free ride from me forever so oh he's he's I, drinking free in chicago and boston for the rest some of his point, life that's right at some point you just gotta have have a little faith um you mentioned our our fantasy team um our wonderful chicago land uh pirates although i am contemplating a name change to the value <laughs> pirates oh i thought if, you're gonna talk about Talk about the fact that neither one of us are in Chicago land anymore. 
Well, no, I mean, because I, I told the story, I believe, I don't know if I made it on air, but I told the story probably um, about yeah. how I was very timid and uh, cautious <laughs> at the draft. It was weird. I was, I was you weren't there. Um, I had my, I had my mission and I had my strategy and I had the guys that I was sort of like, okay, this is what I'm going to do. I'm not going to spend stupid. And so we just did nothing for round after round after round. And eventually we started, you know, doing a bunch of buying, but it was cheap. It was a bunch of just, you know, like inexpensive pieces. We didn't really spend a ton of money on anybody. And, and one of the other team owners um, said, we're going to have to start calling you guys the value pirates. Yeah. And yeah. So it was, it was funny a few weeks ago. Um, I had sent out one of my emails and signed it value pirates with a little, a, a little note of uh, recognition to the team that sort of coined that. But uh, needless to say, uh, we haven't updated it in a while, but we're in first place. You probably are aware of that. Yes. Um, well, there was a, there was a bit of a sort of a muddled group of teams that were all, bunched together about six, well, probably a good six, eight weeks ago. Now it's got to be going back to right around about Memorial day and uh, right off into the early parts of June, we just shot out like a cannon out in front of uh, a bunch of these teams. And, and all of a sudden, you know, one day I'm sitting there and we're a half a point ahead of these other teams or two points ahead. And this is rotisserie scoring for those who are following at home. It's a rotisserie scoring league. So nothing's head to head. It's just points. And uh, we had jumped out, you know, eight points, nine points. You know, every day it was just going up by more. At one point we were up by 15 points, um, which was just ridiculous. It was like, where did this come from? So we made our first – well, we I made our first big trade um, right as soon as we got the big lead. I was like, okay, I'm getting greedy. I traded Mitch Haniger, um, who I liked. I, don't get me wrong. Mitch Haniger was part of the reason – that we had jumped out to that lead. And that's always one of the, the struggles you, you face this all the time with, with fantasy oh, yeah. ownership when you're trying to improve your team, especially when you're dealing from a position, when you're in first place, you always have that little devil sitting on your shoulder saying you're in first place because of these guys. Right. That's very hard, you know, to, but, but, Obviously, the end result of that trade was that we traded Mitch Haniger and some some minor league components. And again, when you're in first place, just like as it mirrors real baseball, those minor league components don't become a, your future anymore, right? They become, I am going to deal these guys because I want to win now. So Mitch Haniger and a couple of those guys uh, got dealt off to one of the teams that was towards the bottom uh, for Jose Altuve and uh, Justin Upton. And and so far that trade has, I, I would say we are in the, in the plus on that one. I mean, the, uh, the production that we've gotten from those two guys to date has outpaced the production that we've got for uh, that Hanniger has produced since he's actually gone into a little bit of a, little bit of a downward trend here, but he's healthy. And that's, that's what, that's what his big problem is. So you have to figure that he'll be productive and, and bounce back. So, Jump ahead here to a week ago. I believe I sent you a cryptic text uh, <laughs> saying, you know, be watching. I, I'm, I'm putting the final touches on, a, on, on, on basically a blockbuster here. And, um, we ended up making a deal, hopefully, that, that, can, that can propel us to, 
a win for the season. Uh, but again, all, a, all offense here. Trump-like text and how excited it made it sound. Oh, yeah. I'm on the verge of making a trade that might bust this ad hack league wide open. Yes. <laughs> so the small, so short story behind how this deal happened. Um, there's there's a pretty decent gap between us and the second place team. The next eight teams are basically all separated by seven to ten points. So I mean, it's really like the difference between us and second place is bigger than the difference between second place and eighth place. It's almost been crippling in the league because there is no movement ever, ever since I made the deal for Altuve and Upton, there has been basically nothing happening. I, I think you'd agree with that, right? There's, there's, there's no movement. You see these little, like every once in a while I get the email about a little deal, like so-and-so deals, a like minor league guy or a low cost guy for somebody else's like, maybe this guy will be good again type player, but nothing blockbuster. Right. So I'm sitting on my patio and we, we, we knew for days, that Machado was getting dealt, right? And the more and more and more you heard, you knew it was going to be Dodgers. Machado's going to the Dodgers. That means he's going to be out of our league. Five minutes, within five minutes of Machado getting dealt out of our league, I was emailing the team that owned him, who I want to say was sitting in fifth or sixth place, who just lost one of their biggest players. Like, well, I don't know if you guys are thinking about selling, but hey, here's an offer. You know, so I threw an offer out there to say, I want your best player. I want Mookie Betts. Clearly the best player left on their roster. And, you know, it's one of those, yes, strike while the iron is hot. You got to throw it out there. So negotiations then went on over about the next two days and the bigger deal, smaller deal. And we ended up going a little smaller deal. But at the end of the day, we traded, basically traded Yoan Moncada and, uh, my boy, my boy Eloy, who I will miss, for but both of basically for MLB equivalents, we traded Yoan Moncada for Mookie Betts. Right. You'd take that deal every day, right? Of course. So there's where we sit. Um, but but it's just you know it's interesting how you could see this happen with Major League Baseball. You'll you'll have a team that's you know, are we in, are we out? And all of a sudden their star player gets injured and then just the floodgates open and then they just become sellers Um, because you realize that not only if you want to contend, do you have to improve? You also have to replace the production of that guy who got hurt, or in this case, a guy who got traded off of the team, just as bad as getting hurt. (laughs) When you're an AL only league and you get somebody shipped off to the national league, you get nothing. You don't get a compensatory draft pick. You get nothing. That guy gets a bullet to the head. Basically, you, he basically just died on you. Yeah, pretty much. He's just off your team. So you get nothing. You lose. Good day, sir. Yeah. So, so that's how that all went down. I don't know if you knew that I was. I don't. I don't know if that was necessarily. I don't want to use the word cutthroat, but I would definitely say that was shrewd on my part. Uh, it's not cutthroat. You made an offer. It's you know. I mean, didn't have to take I mean, the deal. Five minutes, Machado got traded. I was I was emailing saying, "Hey, hey, I mean, you know, you uh, this is, might want to be doing something right now, huh? You know? uh, yeah, yeah. I mean, 
if I was in if I was in a position where I was in the middle of a pack of teams and I had two major offensive pieces that were kind of keeping me afloat and one of them got dealt, I'd probably become sellers myself. I mean, the real life version of that is you you're a lawyer and you come across a car accident and you walk up to the guy that just got in. Hey, <laughs> you might need some help am- there, buddy. Did you just say that I'm the ambulance chaser of our league? I was bringing that up in order to say that this isn't real life. This is not, oh, okay. it's not that serious. So don't feel no. guilty at all about it. But yeah, there's nothing like that. You no, didn't so, go so up to the girl that, the... that assaulted at the frat party and try to console right. him in order to try to get some, some pussy later. You didn't do anything like that. No. Okay. So, so part of me, so part of me felt a little bit, you know, like, Oh man, you know, this is, this is going to look bad. But and at the end of the day, deal got done. I gave up value. To, to get value, and uh, and there we are. So as, wait, as, hold on. As, Time out. You worried what? about this trade looking bad in our league? You know, after some of the I deals say, that we've seen over the years, I, I will say, I have. You know, when we first started in the league, we 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 were stunned by some of the deals that we saw getting made. Like how. Are, how is a $2 middle reliever getting traded for, for Carlos Beltran, which to this day is probably still the worst one-sided trade I've ever seen. But then all of a sudden we started making those deals. And, and you realize the key is sometimes you just have to ask. You never know unless you ask. And, you know, and, and, and eventually we sort of developed a rapport with certain teams that were the newer teams in the league and, some of whom are no longer in the league, probably some of whom are no longer in the league, probably because of some of those deals. But I don't. I, I looked at the two big deals that I made this time on this go round, and 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 I don't look at them as you know what we would always sort of quote unquote. I don't know if we can still say it in, the, in this day and age, but we called them rape <laughs> trades. I don't know. If, can okay, we still no say one, that? Can we still? No say one's that? listening, so it's okay. Okay. Um, I don't think either one of those would classify as that. Well, no, so that was clearly me giving up something to get something. It has to kind of, I think when you make a big deal like that, it's got to hurt a little bit. It's got to hurt a little bit for both teams. Cause you know, I'm not just going to be like, Oh, you know, here's uh, I'll give you uh, my worst player for, you know, who never who's on, who's on the DL for, for your, for your best guy. <laughs> oh, okay. I'm not no, looking exactly for the freedom what... in Christ trades as we've referenced before <laughs> on this show. That's exactly what went through my head when I saw the trade was, it's Moncada, who's got a, a very bright future at a difficult position to stack, which is second base. And Jimenez, who has a very bright future uh, coming uh-huh. up in the minors whenever they promote him. And if you're going to give up that, yeah, you better get something. And what you got was one of the top three players in the American League in whatever order between Altuve and Mookie and Mike right. Trout. So. Yeah, you're you're going to uh, give up something big time to get one of the top three in the AL. So in that respect, I, I absolutely I thought it was you know fair. And yeah, you you may have uh, got in there you know right when the tragedy occurred, but you got to strike while the iron hot, while the iron's hot. So uh, I don't have any problem with that move at all. Yeah. So as we're, as we're sitting here live, slightly, uh, we're, we're 13 and a half point lead right now. And it sort of vacillates back and forth between about 10 and 15. Um, that's, that's where it sits as we, as we speak. 
Um, so, so now the waiting game is who's, who's in and who's out, you know, and this is what is, what's going to be really interesting because next week I will be down in Chicago for our, for our trade party, which sort of mirrors the, the MLB trade deadline. We have our big uh, party down there. And again, you know, when you've got first place, 13 and a half points ahead of second place, but the second place through ninth place teams are less than 10 points apart four out of those top nine teams will be in, you know, the money, so to speak. It, it, it's, it, it's tough to know who, who's trading. You know, one of those teams clearly is out <laughs> because they lost Machado and bets in the span of uh, 72 hours. Right. But the others remaining will be probably scratching and clawing, trying to get trades done at, at trade fest. Yeah. And, and you're going to be in that position that we were in uh one time before, one of the times that you won was you had a huge lead at the at trade fest, and so yeah. we, we always joke and remember this: we show up fest at at the mm-hmm. commissioner's house, uh, the great commission David Lewis, and we basically show up there to eat food and and drink and and relax. We didn't have any reason to make any trades, so no. we just there and we to, didn't, and we didn't. So we just there to eat up a, eat up all your food and watch y'all make trades. We had to do nothing. So you're going to be basically down there again. This year, you're going to be down there to eat some food and, and drink some beer and watch everyone else make trades because you don't really have anything to do. Yeah, I may poke and pry, uh, you know, and see if there's anything that I can shake loose in a deal. I mean, obviously, we still need some pitching. Um, not a ton, but I, 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 I wouldn't be you know, opposed to going and get, grabbing another starter, um, you know, considering our starting rotation has been a bit – racked, you know, injury riddled, so to speak. Um, but still hanging on, we're still hanging on. Um, I I'm still sort of, uh, I'm still sort of marveling at the, the waiver wire pull that I got on one Willie Peralta. Don't ask me how I pulled that one off. <laughs> um, uh, viewer where Willie Peralta is now the closer for the Kansas city Royals. Not that that's a spot that you really want to be. But right. I'll take four saves for a guy who claimed off the waiver wire so far. I'll, I'll take him. Sure. So, uh, speaking of, since we're talking about the second half of the baseball season, now that we're through the trade deadline, I want to I want to uh, pat myself on the back and shoot myself in the head for two of the teams <laughs> that we spent a lot of time talking about. You know, because there's one team that we talked about that I was high on. I couldn't have been more wrong. And then there's another team I talked about where I'm actually kind of excited about. Like, well, oh, I was I was pretty accurate on that one. I feel really good. Two teams that we actually, on our preview test show, spent some time breaking down. I guess I'll start with the bad. I I, I said the Kansas City Royals would make the playoffs. Yeah. So, yeah, I kind of got to eat some shit for that one. Uh, that was that was pretty bad. Um, they're the worst team in baseball by a lot. That team is uh, – I don't even know what they have. To, how do they even deal out of this mess? This team isn't going to just be bad. This team is going to be bad for a while. Right, because they're talking about, uh, I guess, Mike Moustakos and maybe a few other guys. What are you going to get for that? I mean, you know. Nothing, because you, <laughs> you held on to these guys for too long. And they sort of are the scrappy version of what we're watching happen to the Tigers – you know where, where the tigers the tigers got old and bad, 
the, the Royals didn't even need to get old and bad. They just got bad. Yeah, it's it's a very quick downfall for them. The rotation, the offense, yeah. just you name it. Um, and, and on that same topic, it's uh, that was one of the very early, probably the earliest of the sort of deadline deals. They didn't even wait around. The the Washington Nationals needed help yep. in their bullpen, and they went and, and grabbed Kelvin Herrera very early in the process, which was a great pull for them because their closer is Sean Doolittle, who's fine, but has a tendency to get hurt. And guess what? Sean Doolittle is hurt. So that, that trade came right on time for them. So, yeah, Kansas City knew they were out a long time ago and, and started dealing off pieces uh, very early in the process. So that's the the beauty of our prediction shows. To, you know, being able to just kind of, you know, get a hunch, throw some things, see what sticks. You know, if, you, if, you, if you're right, you look like a genius. When you're wrong, though, hey, you know what? We're we're man enough to to step up and say, hey, you know what? I was dead wrong, and boy, I was dead wrong about the Kansas City Royals. Uh, there's another team that you and I disagreed about quite vociferously. There's a big word um, <laughs> that I want to say. So far, I've been right about. I feel some vindication of. If I was just as wrong as I was about the Royals, I will go out on record here and say I was right about the Oakland A's. Yeah. Um that is a scrappy sort of fun young uh team. You know, a lot of power, a lot of strikeouts, exactly what I said they were going to be, but they mash <laughs> and they're getting and they play in that giant ballpark and they get just enough pitching from their starters. Nobody jumps off the stat page who starts for that team. Nobody. I mean, what is Sean Manaya might be the best starter in that rotation. Yeah. Okay, I mean that's not even a might. Sean Shamanaya is the best starter in that rotation, but the rest of the guys, they're, they're guys. We talk about Severino and a bunch of fours. Uh, Manaya, it's, it's it's a two and a bunch of fours because Manaya is no ace. <laughs> right. But that's very. They're sort of the they're sort of the West Coast version of the Yankees. They they hit they hit for power. A um, little scrappier than. Uh, than the Yankees, but there are big power bats in that lineup. And because they play in Oakland, nobody talks about Chris Davis or Matt Chapman or Steven Piscotti or, you know, um, any of the, and it was Olsen. Nobody really talks about these guys. Jed Lowry having probably the best season of his career. You know, not, a team, Lowry, really. uh, not a team that really gets talked about much. But when you look up at the standings, you're like, oh, these guys are these guys are halfway decent. Now, what sucks for you, Oakland, is you play in the same division with the Houston Astros. Yeah. And to this point, the the statistical aberration that is the Seattle Mariners. Twenty games over five hundred. Yeah. With a run differential of one like plus one. one. Plus one, I believe, the last time I looked up. <laughs> Plus one. That is a team that wins a lot of one-run games, a team that's on the wrong side of a lot of blowouts, I would guess. Um, his, historical. They were, they were on track to set some, some precedents as far as a team as far above 500 as they are, a negative or a flat run differential. It's like it, it's never happened. This is a statistical aberration 
going on in Seattle. But when you look at that Seattle team, they're, they're not bad. I mean, there's clearly still talent in that lineup, uh, you know, ever since Robinson Cano got popped for peds, uh, moving D Gordon back to second base, uh, there's no sign that they're moving him off of there. Even when Cano comes back, they're like, Hey, we're kind of, we're kind of liking this, (laughs) this move, having, having a built-in replacement for a cheater. It works pretty good. (laughs) And all they have the cheater will be uneligible or ineligible Correct. for the postseason. Correct. There's no reason to move Gordon off when Cano comes back because Gordon's going to be the one playing in the playoffs if the if the, if, uh, if they, if the yeah. Mariners are able to make the playoffs. Yeah, if there's a shoe that's going to drop in the American League, it's got to be the Mariners, right? I mean, you'd think. So, I would say that could open up the door for my for my fun scrappy A's to make a wild card push, which I did not have them doing. I believe I had them finishing second in just finishing second in general, but not making the playoffs, but it leaves them in the conversation, which is kind of exactly where I said, I thought they'd be um, heading into August and September. So I, you know, for, if I, if I got to eat the crap on one, I'll, I'll take the pat on the back for the other one. So that's sort of my, uh, my season, my season recap in the national league. Eh, it's it's kind of, you know, we did, nobody saw the, 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 the Braves, I think that we've seen now the Braves are going to be the third young team in a row to, to sort of build up a year too soon. We saw it with the Cubs. We saw it with the Astros where it was like, you, you knew they were going to be young and they were going to be good, but you thought they were like the next year team. And mm-hmm. there they are. It's like everything just kind of gelled and you know, the rebuild is, so that's the new rebuild du jour. Um, well, I had them second in the division, Braves. so I actually saw this coming this yeah, year. Yeah, so you saw so. some potential, but contending in the division? Yeah, all right. 72 runs over in their differential? No, yeah. I definitely didn't see that. Yeah. And, you know, and the Dodgers were – how many times have the Dodgers been left for dead in there? They are – Yeah, once again, the first month of the season, all the Dodgers are trash. Yeah. They're Just garbage. like the Cubs. Just like yeah. the Cubs. Brewers are in first place. Oh, the Brewers are in first place. <laughs> and you know, I work with Brewer fans and most of them are fairly realists. And nobody thought it was going to last because you looked at that Brewers lineup and that Brewers roster and you were like, they're going up. They have to contend with the Cubs, one of the most stacked teams, if not the most stacked team, even though an imbalanced team, the Cubs are a flawed team. I will give you that. They're a great team with tons of talent, but there are flaws on the team. They're not perfect, but nobody looked at the Brewers and was like, yeah, they're going to hang with the Cubs all year. And it's already started to, it's already started to sort of separate a little bit. But this is where we kind of broke off on the Brewers is that you thought they were making moves and trying to advance too far and and doing things. I'm still not on board with it. I think they're not, necessarily thinking that they're doing these moves to compete with the Cubs. I think they're doing them to just be the best team that they can be, which right now is right in the middle of the wild card race. I don't think they're aiming for anything more than that. And that's exactly where they are. So I, I still like the Christian Yelich move. He's been fine. I still like the Lorenzo Cain move. He's been fine. Uh, and, and I think they're probably going to make some kind of deal to try to add uh, to 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 the team before the deadline, like you said, they have uh, obvious needs of starting pitching, but so does everyone else. And the question is, who's out there, and what you know, what do you, when do they give up for him? I can see him getting a Cole Hamels and hoping that the the change of scenery helps him out. So yeah, I think they're right where they thought they would be. Yeah, what I don't think you do, in especially on a team and in a division where you're clearly going to be 
playing for second place for potentially the next two, three years. The Cubs will eventually run up against free agency and they're going to have to make those tough decisions on, on their, on their core guys here over the next few years. And we saw the same thing when Theo did the rebuild with the Red Sox, any team that rebuilds the Astros are going to go through this. Like while your guys are all still controlled, you have your run. The Cubs are still all under control. They're going to have their run. The Brewers were on sort of a plan that if they hadn't blown it up, would have probably put them on track to take advantage of that drop. I believe with the Cubs and they, and I think they'd, they got a little greedy a little too soon. Just my take, uh, you know, I could be totally wrong and totally off base. That's just the sort of the gut feeling I got when I saw those moves. Like, well, what, what's your what's your ceiling here? Your ceiling is you're playing a game 163. That's an awful lot, you know, of, of wheeling and dealing and, 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 and changing sort of strategies, you know, <laughs> changing horses midstream um, for a team that looked like it was clearly rebuild, rebuild, you know, develop and grow and just keep on that path to all of a sudden making trades and, and, and bringing in the players that they brought in. And it worked. Correct. It worked. It worked for the, it worked for half a season so far. I mean, they could still get a resurgence here. They could still win the division. Then it would be worth it. If they win the division, I will change my tune. Well, Sure. Uh, I was just about to bring up that that point. Correct me if I'm wrong. Have they not won a division since they moved to the National League? That that Sabathia run was that for a wild card spot or was that for the division? Um, I don't think they've won a division since they made the the league switch. So yeah, you you're going to get a little horny uh, when you get in position like this. You're going to make some moves that maybe are a little bit far reaching, but you, you kind of almost have to. It, if not now, when you know? And, sure. And, and on the other side, you got a team in the same division doing the same plan that you just talked about of building up uh, younger and being trying to be in position to take advantage of the Cubs, possibly losing some of their superstars in the next few years. And that's the Reds. We'll see how that works out. But uh, as we know, because we've seen it many, many, many times, just because you build up with a bunch of youngsters to take advantage in three or four years doesn't mean that they're going to work out. Yeah, and that Reds rebuild, to me, uh, hasn't even shown up on my radar as far as a team doing it the right way. <laughs> I mean, well, they they got the losing part down. They've got that going. <laughs> oh, I see. This is phase one, and, and I, yeah. I I will honor that. I will I will completely say, having watched the Cubs done it firsthand, they didn't tank. I mean, they weren't like the Bulls, you know, where they were just out there losing on purpose. They, they were in their, you know, their best, and they didn't have their best players sitting on the bench. They didn't do that. Yeah. They didn't go that far, but they did offload a ton of money, and they had they to. bottomed out. They you bottomed had, out, they, and and I was actually completely okay with it. I I will. I, you were there with me through the whole thing. You know that I was fully on board because what they were doing wasn't working the just sort of skating by to finish around five. Oh no, if you're going to do it, you got to gut the whole thing. You've watched your white Sox do it. Now you're slowly starting to watch them. You know, they, they, they've ascended from being dreadful to at least now they're dreadful and fun to watch. And then the next step is going to be all this top talent that they have in their system supposedly starts to come up. 
And then if those guys start to make an impact and you get a whole bunch of those guys all at one time, like the Cubs and the Astros and the Braves, then, you know, you're off and running. So we'll see. You know, you, you, you are clearly seeing that this is the new model. And if you do it right and you're honest about it, your, your fans will stay through. And the Cubs obviously had a built-in fan base that were going to stick through anything, but they were, we were all rewarded. So I, I will, I will say it definitely works. I don't think it's the only way to do things. We've watched the Yankees do it the complete opposite way for forever. I mean, they're, you just spend, 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 spend. Something's going to stick. Just keep spending money. And that's the funny thing about the Yankees uh, being the evil empire is I think a lot of people assume that the Yankees have bought every title that they've won since uh, the 1990s or whatever. And that's simply not the case. Those first two or three were guys that they brought up and developed that were at the core of those teams. That was uh, Mariano Rivera was through the system. Jorge Posada was through the system. Uh, uh, Derek Jeter was through the system. The, that fourth title that they won, uh, where they paid for a Rod uh, and purchased him from the top, from the, from the Texas Rangers. Okay, maybe you can argue that they bought that, but that was the, the, the those veterans uh, that were from the uh, from the system that were, were built up. They were still there. They weren't quite as effective, but they were still very good and still a very big part of the team. But the Yankees actually don't buy titles. They try, but they fail most of the time. They got that one in whatever that was, 2007 or 2008. But other than that, they really do try to spend, outspend everybody and usually come up short. Uh, but I think a lot of people think that they, they buy titles, just they, they just spend the money and just buy championships all the time. And that is, that's actually not the case because that's not how it works. No, they were what trying they, to buy. What they bought, yeah. what they bought were playoff appearances. Right. But they didn't and what the Cubs and Astros the have done. No, no, the Astros haven't bought anything. <laughs> right. And the Cubs didn't either. No, and because even the veterans, you go back to that the team that won it all in 2016, the veterans on that team, uh, well, they tried to, they tried it with Jason Hayward. <laughs> Failed miserably. Um, so they, they almost won despite that. Although, I mean, he had right. value. He had value above and beyond his offense. His defense... I mean, for all the sabermetric folks and plus FIP and the blah, 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 BIP and whatever <laughs> they do for all the defensive stuff and all that. I mean, he's got, he's clearly a very valuable player, but he did not live offensively up to the contract. He still hasn't, even though he's hitting you know, about 280 now, which is like, oh, yay. You know, every time right. he does something good, you can, you know, it's like you're patting, patting a child on his head. You know, oh, yeah, you didn't roll over weekly to second base, Jason. Good job. <laughs> But well, that's what you expect him to do. Any other result is like, you know, the golf clap. Yay. Yeah. So, <laughs> yeah, you had Hayward. Yeah, you had Hayward and Fowler, um, Zobrist. I mean, Lester. Lester was Lester was sort of that final piece, you know. Yeah, the pitching. That was when – and Lackey and and uh, they they yeah. told you what they were doing with the pitching. They were they were gonna go get some older guys once they were actually in contention, but they right. weren't gonna go spin for for pitching before that. Because none of the studs in that offense um, were matched by anything the Cubs had in their farm system for pitching. That was all offensive talent coming up through the system. Where you look at like the Astros, and it's everywhere. It's pitchers, it's hitters. Uh, it's yeah that that team's a marvel. Then we both. <laughs> 
I believe, had them winning the World Series this year for, for good reason. Over the Cubs. They, yep, over the Cubs. They are a monster. And the, the Yankees and well, the Red Sox, for what they've done so far, and the Red Sox, the Red Sox are very good. We've given them no love on this. Everybody gives the Yankees and the Red Sox love. But you just you watch Houston play. There's, there's a, that, what's their weakness? Does, does, that, does that team have a weakness? I think their nine hitter might be a little uh, might be a little weak, but <laughs> yeah. Other than that, yeah. yeah. Well, their closer obviously is a is an issue, so maybe that'll be the yeah. downfall. And I know they had been linked pretty uh, pretty tight on Britain too, so it'll be interesting to see what they do. Because when you're, I'm sorry, I don't want any Cubs bias in here, but when your closer is Hector Rondon, you're in trouble. <laughs> Yeah, that's uh, that, that's that's a horror show right there. Sometimes it is not uh, a matter of if <laughs> when Hector Rondon is your closer, it's going to happen. But what does that say about Ken Giles? That that's the preferred choice right now. <laughs> yeah, oh, I totally with you there. So, there is uh, no trust. The the Manny Machado uh, to Los Angeles deal. I, I, the the observation I have about that is. Uh, you know, besides the obvious of, geez, the Dodgers just keep building people through their farm system just so they can trade them for superstars. You, you know, you wonder how uh, successful that's going to be. Um, but I don't even know if they make this deal if not for the Corey Seager injury and the need that they wind up having on their infield. Because this seems to be, you know, like, God, do you really need them? They got, you know, if, if Seager was healthy, you'd have Seager, who's a who looks to be a perennial all-star candidate uh, at short. And then you have Justin Turner, who's been a, had a surprising career, and now he's a perennial all-star candidate at third base. You really don't uh, – you know, you, you add Machado's like, well, you, know, you add a, a great player, but then you're benching someone who's been pretty good too. But with Seager being hurt and, and out for the year, you, you have an obvious need in the infield. So I don't even know if they do that deal – uh, if not for the for the injury, and now they just say, well, we'll we'll deal with this next year. You know, if we still have Turner and we still have Seager, and then we have Manny Machado, whatever that, however that shakes out, we'll figure it out next year. But right now, we're going to go for Machado and, and try to win this thing right now. It's it's pretty gutsy. Uh, we'll, we'll see how it all works out, but uh, it's it's the biggest move that could have been made. Uh, during this trade deadline, and the Dodgers do it again. It's like the fourth or fifth year in a row that the biggest trade deadline move was made by the Los Angeles Dodgers. Yeah, I mean, when it when it ends, it's this is going to be like a Detroit Tigers ending for the Dodgers because they're going to have nothing left to deal. Their their farm system will be completely devoid of any tradable pieces, and all these guys who they've acquired will be old and bad, and they can't <laughs> get rid of them. And that, that that's the way this is going to end. But while they're hot, they're going right. to have it'll, their run. It'll all be okay if they win a title somewhere in there. Right. That's And that's what the whole point of all of this is. You get, you know, you don't make all of these moves to win the title every year. You you get the one, right? You get one and and then you work after that. But first you got to win something. You got to win one. Like, you know, the Cubs got their title. Everything else that we do now is contending every year. This is all gravy and then having a chance every year. That's great. But you don't make your moves thinking that you're going to win the, the World Series or the Super Bowl or anything every year. 
Too many things can happen. Only organization that assumes they're going to win the title every year will be the New England Patriots. Yeah, well, they've been pretty good at that. Yeah. They've done done all right. They've done okay. And even that, we, of course, are old enough to remember how much of a laughingstock that franchise was. And all of a sudden, you're just talking about spoiled fan bases. The Patriots were a complete joke. And now, anything short of a Super Bowl, what's wrong with the Patriots? Oh, sure. And that's been very very similar to what we were just talking about with the Cubs and how we're sitting here going, oh, (laughs) there's something wrong with them. And then you just the best team in the National League. (laughs) Something wrong with them. You're just used yeah, to they, what you hit. They don't feel yeah. like it. They just they don't. They're not dominating the way I want them to. Right. So. Huh. So that's the the trade trade deadline and second half. What about your calls? Any calls that you, you were sort of proud of or or not proud of the way how the first half of the season shake out for you? I mean, I don't want to give. I don't want to be the one to call you out about the Angels and tell you <laughs> I told you, but. I guess I just you don't did. want to say that. Yeah, I, I think you. I'm you not did. saying. I'm just saying. Yeah, they. I mean, they had a, a shot at being good when, when Otani was healthy, and then it kind of crumbled from there. Um, they're they're not terrible. It's not like they're 14 games under 500, but they are completely out of the out of the playoff race, pretty much. Um, but yeah, they they're they're all right. They're they're not the wild card contender. <laughs> That I hope they will be, but they're they're not they're you know they're 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 not the Rangers. Let's put it that way. Um, no. Yeah. That, that, is this Otani though getting hurt, or is this the fact that their starting pitching is is literally you're watching guys just falling apart? Yeah, and we kind of talked about rotation. that uh, in the preview too. That I was excited about the depth. They had so many young arms coming, even if the ones that were injury prone got hurt, they had others behind them. Well, all of them are injury prone apparently. And so that doesn't really matter when you, when your help coming behind is also going to get hurt. And and then the the Japanese acquisition, he gets hurt. And so that's the end of that. After, after one of the final, you know, straws that broke the camel's back injuries for that team, I had, uh, Finally, you know, and very rarely do I put anything on Twitter, but I, I, I posited when did Dusty Baker become the strength and conditioning coach <laughs> for the Los Angeles Angels? Because, boy, it's bad. Whoever it is, uh, may they they may want to, you know, be, be scanning for resumes because something in the training room or there's something going on because everybody on that team it's it's UCL this torn something that I mean, it's bad. Yeah, if you see the ghost of Mark Pryor doing the towel drill out in the bullpen in Anaheim, <laughs> you should be very very afraid. <laughs> oh, well, you're, you're bringing up some you're bringing up some bad memories of well, uh, you know us uh, of the Cubs hanging all their hopes and dreams on that on that one or two big prospects back in those days, you know. That's the Dusty Baker era for you. Oh man, um, I'm I'm as I talked about, I am proud of the Brewers being in wild card contention because I really do think that's all they really were hoping for in the end, and that's where they are right now. Um, the Dodgers and the Cubs uh, gonna wind up winning their divisions easily as we both had, I believe. Uh, I don't know why the Washington National uh, 
can't ever seem to put it all together. They have, and they have a mixture of veterans who just can't quite get over the hump and youngsters that come up and flash in the pan and really show a lot of potential. And then they start slumping. It just is, it, they never have it all going at the same time. And then the big, the big one that I think people are afraid to, to point out and say is that Bryce Harper does not make contact enough to be as effective of a baseball player as he should be. Bryce Harper should be as good as Mike Trout at this stage uh, in their careers. He's too busy trying to hit every ball 750 feet. It's unbelievable. And it's not like this is a a new thing in baseball. A lot of guys are hurting their overall numbers, trying to hit every ball as hard as they possibly can. But not a lot of guys have the talent that Bryce Harper has displayed in, in his short career. Uh, and I really don't know what it's going to take to get through to his head to cut down your swing and help your team out with an opposite field base hit every now and then. Stop trying to hit everything over the center field background, for fuck's sake. Yeah. Or try to beat a shift. You know, it's it's gotten so bad in That'd baseball nice. now that they're they're talking about, hey, let's outlaw the shift. Well, oh, how I about your argument. how how about your guys just hit the ball where the other team isn't? Hit them where they ain't. Whatever happened to that? I, I don't want to get on the old man millennial uh, jag that sometimes people can get on, but man, that sounds like all oh, these poor kids, they don't have yeah. a chance. They keep hitting it into the shit. They're hitting it as hard as they can right into the shit. We have to outlaw this shit now. We can't if let only that, that guy wasn't standing there. He would have had a base hit. It's not fair. Oh, yeah. that's the, that's the participation trophy crowd right there. Oh, I cannot stand that let's, argument of banning the shift. So, you know, the shift is terrible. Let's outlaw the shift. If you put uh-huh. six people in the infield and, and and leave one guy in the outfield, that should be legal. If you can't hit it over the infield and take yeah. advantage of that, then that's on you. I mean, if you had a spray chart for a guy where every ball landed like within a 50-foot you know, circle out in you know left center field, put all eight guys out there. Come on, come on, get in here, come on. Else, you know, yeah. you can put, you have eight guys, seven guys, you have seven position players because you have a pitcher and a catcher, they can't move. <laughs> so you got seven guys. guys, those seven guys you can put them wherever you want. Yeah, absolutely. We just saw uh, Matt Carpenter as hot as they come, hitting homers all over the place. Uh, we just saw him lay down a bun against the shift to try to help his team win yeah. because that's what you do to help your team win. You get on base and you keep getting on base until the other team finds the gall and, and the wherewithal and the and the nutsack to get you out. And if they can't get you out, then that's right. it's on them. I, I would love to see a team that's down by two and one of these big power hitter, you know, shift guys who get shifted just beat the shift to get on base because you on base – is more important than you hitting a solo home run to make it a one-run game. Yeah, that doesn't help. Just saying. So yeah, that be are we are we are we doing a little get off my lawn here right now? I, but I, I don't I want don't to. But so. God, I, I so. hate that that whole argument or that the whole discussion that they might ban the shift. Just that really gets under my skin because if you can't beat the shift, that is all one hundred percent your fault, and you shouldn't need to regulate the games. I don't even understand what the point. Why would you need 
feel the need to regulate defense like that. Just, just stop. Just no, stop. You, know, you can, you can do, you can do like the speeding up the game stuff, you know, the, oh, you, you mountain visits and, you know, pitch clock. We'll talk more about the Suns in So, all right, now yeah. it's the VIP after show. So yeah, you, you can you can you can do a lot of those things to 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 sort of the ancillary parts of the game if you want to speed up the game, but don't change don't fundamentally change the game. That's not even speeding up the game. That's just this is we think this is too unfair. So right. instead of making the players make an adjustment, we'll make the uh, right. the adjustment illegal. We'll make the defensive adjustment right. illegal. <laughs> no, I'm, I'm yeah. saying I'm okay with all the pace of play stuff. The pace of play stuff, yeah. I'm, I'm fine with all that. And I think you and I, I hate to say it because every time the discussion comes up and everybody thinks we're the crotchety old guys with the get off my lawn, we're the, we're the robot ump guys. So don't think that <laughs> – I'm ready. It's all Let's traditionalist. Go. Yeah, don't think it's all traditionalist. You know, Pat, America's pastime. It's untouchable. I mean, we, we, we see bad umping. You know that there's a way that you can you can improve that um, by taking some of that randomness away. But that is that's as that's as straight as things get when you're talking balls and strikes. A ball that's a foot outside that gets called a strike. Is not is oh, it's just that's just the way the game is, and I think we've seen some of the progressiveness with the instant replay. I have nothing wrong with instant replay. Again, I think that the baseball instant replay is starting to have some of its football moments, where it's sort of the they're looking for the gotcha moment. On further review, we need yeah. further review. Well, yeah, where where it's like the guy's clearly on the bag, and oh wait, did his foot maybe pop up off the bag for a split? Second, it's, uh, I don't think that's the that, that's not the intent, and I think we saw a lot of that with football, where where replay is a great tool, but then it created more issues in some cases where things that were not really meant to be overturned starting getting overturned, and I think that's when the fans they started losing some of the fans to that. Would like you and I, it's just been this. You know, we, I'm sure we're going to see it again. As soon as we start getting into football here, we start to get talking about the intent of using your head or leading with your, oh. Yeah, how fun is that going to be? The, the game is fundamentally about smashing your it's head a violent, another human It's a violent head. game. Yeah, it's a violent sport. And, and the referee's win is going to be a penalty. Right. If if there was intent or if anybody who said, what if, what if the runner leads with his head. Do you first of all, anybody who's ever played football, we played football. We didn't play with helmets and pads. We played in the street. I will tell you that your normal tendency when you're about to go hit somebody or you're about to get hit by somebody is to duck your head. Mm-hmm. Either to absorb a blow or to give a blow because you're trying to square up your head on your shoulders to deliver a strong blow. You, you can't run at people head up and put anything behind it. There's no power unless you, you got to line up that spine and you got to drive it in and you got to hit these guys. And yes, I'm talking about spines and, you know, this is where all these injuries and CTE, you know, that's the game. That's what football is. That's the game. So 
Uh, you know, I don't know if you saw any of my, uh, my. I don't know if you saw my my sort of tongue in cheek post that I had dropped on the arena flag football, or what the American flag football post, where they they showed one of the players um, scoring a touchdown and he's running through the stadium. Looks like guys acting like he, you know, just did the greatest thing of all time. And there's yeah. like a smattering of people in the fan in the stands, and I and I actually posted on their page. Nice to see they're drawing those NFL size crowds. <laughs> no, I, I missed that one. Oh yeah, I, I took a little shot there, a little, little <laughs> shot at both leagues, I guess. <laughs> well, I don't know if the NFL is having too many issues uh, drawing crowds, uh, unless you're talking about like Jacksonville or <laughs> <laughs> San Diego, Los Angeles, uh, in the soccer stadium and all that. <sighs> Well, we we got a little football into our baseball show here. I I I think we were uh, I I crapped on your angels a little bit, um, but I did cut you off from giving your your honest assessment of the first half of the baseball season. Before we kind of put baseball to bed here, we have a big baseball show coming up on Sunday, but that's more of an award show, and then we are, we go right into football. That's right, back to back shows quick. next weekend. Yeah, but well, we have. Uh, Right, we have uh, this weekend coming up on Sunday, I'm assuming, will be Baseball Hall of Infamy, and the weekend after that will be football. That's right. So, just like last year, I think that's going to become sort of the new thing here. Uh, I believe I have the baseball honors this year, and you have the football honors. Yeah, I got uh, I know you already have everything lined up for, for what you want to induct uh, for next week. I, I got to keep going. I have, yeah, I have my broad outline. I haven't officially come up with my final five because I probably have a list of 10 or 12 right now. So I have a fairly extensive, list. I think with baseball, because we're so early on, it's easy yeah. to have a lot. So I think these first few years of us doing baseball are going to be easy. Um, hell, all of infamy is always easy. <laughs> Yeah, the football get uh, it's um isn't I, I won't say it's getting harder necessarily, but I do find myself looking at more and more recent people. Like I believe I inducted uh, Tebow last year, uh, who's obviously a very sure. recent player. He might make uh, the baseball one someday. <laughs> <laughs> he might he might be our first two sport Hall of Infamy inductee. <laughs> well, you will have earned it. Although you did, you actually did put in um, Dion, Bo, and Brian Jordan. That's right. Uh, so I don't know if they're going to go into back, the baseball. But you put them in for well, good reasons. You put them in for good exactly. reasons. <laughs> right. I put them in for the inspiration. And, and, and somebody would argue that Tebow should be put in for inspiration, too. That's not quite why I put him in. But uh, yeah, I, I don't I don't I didn't actually think about putting Dion and Brian and, and Bo into our baseball hall of infamy as well. But maybe I'll have to consider uh, the the. Both of them, they're two-way stars, and maybe they should be two-way, uh, the, the the only two-way uh, Hall of Infamy players. So, well, maybe what we do, I mean, we could almost put them in sort of almost like honorarily. Because I'm guessing if we have a baseball Hall of Infamy and a football Hall of Infamy and they were a real place, they'd probably be right next door to each other because we're cheap. We can't afford to put them in two separate cities. <laughs> and as you're walking from one into the other – through that hallway would be where you walk through that hallway where they're both, you know, that's the, the where they join together. Oh, okay. They'd be in the, uh, in, in the galley. 
they yeah they're in they're in yeah they're 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 the the football and baseballs but we haven't officially put them in the baseball one so that may right. eventually happen or become sort of an honor veterans committee um <laughs> type move on our part where we just can assumedly put them in um without having to you know sort of like use up one of our spots I'll leave that to you though no but you're little, right little, we definitely little idea there for you. Our, our facility definitely would not be in a huge parcel of land. It'd be the in, in, in the same little patch yeah. of vacant lot area somewhere between Whitney Young High yeah. School and UIC over on the west side of Chicago, Illinois. I, I'm thinking a strip mall. <laughs> right next to a bouncy house place. And right a across from the Hooters. <laughs> yeah, there's a, there's, a, there's a Qdoba on one side and... <laughs> A bouncy house place and a lawyer's office, but a really shader, <laughs> shady, kind of like Better Call Saul type uh, yeah. lawyer's office. Yeah, we got Saul Goodman and a little Breaking Bad reference there for you. Um, and well, uh, the, the breakfast at Hooters and and, yeah. <laughs> and there's a Hooters and an Applebee's in the in the front <laughs> of the parking lot on the street. <laughs> oh man! And a bail bondsman. We just and then there's the, there's the much less sandwich um, in between all of those is the un, in much less detail uh, hall of infamy <laughs> in a it, it what used to be and it's a, it's it's probably a, a like a, a comic book store that's gone out of business <laughs> so there's just like random old comics and toys and some dusty shelves that we didn't that we did that we were too lazy to to, to move. Welcome to the hall all of, of our exhibits. <laughs> Such a classy joint. <laughs> it's what we can afford. We're on Block Talk the, Radio. We can't afford much, clearly. Across the street from Admiral Theater 2 or something. Um, <laughs> yeah, we just destroyed any possibility of sponsorship from any of those places that we just decided. <laughs> places. Yeah, all those bail bondsmen that were thinking about um, sponsoring our show just, just completely checked out. Sorry, Applebee's. Sorry, Hooters. Yeah. Sorry, Sabaros. Sorry, sorry, Dog the Bounty Hunter. <laughs> uh, kings of non sequitur, but we just like to run off the script, don't we? That's um, <laughs> what we're all about. We can't we can't have that name and then not be about it. No, I uh, I, I will pat myself on the back for having the Diamondbacks and the and the Brewers and Wildcard. Uh, contingent. Those are t- my two wild card picks, and they're they're both right there. Um, Arizona's still hanging in there, even though the Dodgers have passed them. Um, I think Arizona is another team that might be up there, ready to make a, a trade by the time next weekend comes uh, to to bolster uh, their rotation. I, I think they're getting a, a surprising great season out of Patrick Corbin. Um, to have him and, and Grinky as a one-two is, is working out fine, but uh, I think they could use a three. Uh, if there's a three out there to be had, again, back to the whole situation of there's only so so many good assets that are available for trade, but I can see them making a move and, and trying to step up there. Uh, but, yeah, their offense has been uh, interesting as well. They, they have their bashers. They have uh, one of the guys that you don't ever really talk about. We we had a little bit of uh, controversy the last couple of weeks about how terribly Mike Trout is being marketed by baseball. And as great as Mike Trout is, 
there's another guy that's been very, very good at baseball for the past three or four years that doesn't get any publicity at all, and that's Paul Goldschmidt. Oh, absolutely. Uh, He's another guy that doesn't go out there and tries tries to self promote himself or market himself. He just keeps playing and keeps bashing, um, and, no, and he's been the. I'm sorry, I, I have a problem with this whole thing. I okay. don't think that Mike Trout and Paul Goldschmidt have a marketing problem. I think Mike Trout and Paul Goldschmidt play in Phoenix and L.A. And if Mike Trout and Paul Goldschmidt played for the Yankees or the Sox, ah. they'd have no problem marketing. Because do you see Aaron Judge out there marketing himself? Is, is no, John Carlos standing ESPN out there marketing, marketing them enough. <laughs> These guys don't market themselves. They play in huge markets that major sports media all salivate over. And Mike Trout and Paul Goldschmidt don't. End of story. If Mike Trout was a Yankee, he'd be the biggest thing on earth. Sorry. Had to get that out. Yeah, so you're not a Mike Trout marketing problem. If Mookie Betts were doing what he's doing, uh, playing for the Padres, then. (laughs) If Mookie Betts, no, seriously. If Mookie Betts Betts played for the Mariners, would anybody give a shit? I seriously doubt it. Yeah. (laughs) I rest my case. Be talking about how Mookie Betts is not being marketed and how he's underappreciated. <laughs> that's right. And how he needs to be a Yankee. <laughs> <laughs> that, that's it. That, that, right? Oh, it's only a matter of time before Mookie Betts is on the Yankees. Oh, there, there you go. The, in the the solution to the marketing problem. Just everybody get on the Yankees or the Red Sox. Get that off my chest. That, no, that whole marketing uh, thing kind of bothered me. That the commissioner came out and said, "Oh, Mike Trout needs to do a better job marketing himself." Uh, that marketing, I don't think, is his job. And how do you go about doing that? Do you start juggling every time between at bats? What do you mean, go market yeah. himself? What, we've seen we've seen players try to market themselves. It usually doesn't end well. Yeah, it's usually ugly because they're trying yes. way too hard. Right, or you end up having uh, Lavar ball being your dad oh or you wind up doing interviews wearing a shirt that says www.thebus36.com oh go into the go into the well i like it good call well when you think about self-marketing yourself that's what you're talking about is basically (laughs) walking around with a shirt with your name on it or your website or something i mean i don't know what i don't know what you want them to do that is the pinnacle i believe the bus is in our hall of infamy for that yeah, and he should be. And we checked the website, and it was still functioning. It was. It was. You could have him come to your uh, speaking <laughs> engagements. Oh, your bar mitzvahs, <laughs> your massage parlors. Wait That's, a there is. There it is, folks. You know, exhibit one: why you don't leave it up to the player to market themselves. Because they might do something like that. So no, baseball needs to do a better job of marketing Mike Trout, not Mike Trout. <laughs> I'm I'm done. I will hit the mute button. <laughs> no, I, I'm with you. Um, but yeah, those are my my calls that were not obvious. I guess uh, would be uh, Diamondbacks and Brewers uh, for the wild card in the uh, in the National League, um, and in the American League it is so it's you know. Houston and Cleveland and Boston and the Yankees. I mean, that's just not 
that's not compelling at all. That's that's obvious. So there's there's not too much to go by uh, as far as that goes. My big crazy pick uh, was for Anaheim to be the the second wild card, and obviously that's not going to work out for me. Uh, but the other four, I mean, that, those are no brainers. Yeah, we almost felt bad. I mean, it's like these baseball shows, these baseball prediction shows have almost become a little repetitive because it really is sort of the haves and have nots. And you have teams that are clearly the rebuild teams and teams that are clearly bad. And and you're just sort of, you're trying to pick among that six or eight teams in the middle and try to go, I'm sorry, six or eight teams that you think are in the middle and just sort of pluck out of it something that you think could could happen or there were the writings on the wall where you could see somebody possibly being relevant as far as a wild card position or, or a contender in the second half or, or relevant at the trading deadline. But yeah, I think the American league and, and to a certain extent, the national league other than the NL East have almost all gone exactly the way they thought, the way we thought they would. Here's a shit pick that I made. Um, I didn't pick them to make the playoffs, but I thought the White Sox would contend and, and finish second in their division. Yeah. They can't hit anything. Oh, my God. I don't know why they have such problems just making content. Just put the wood on the ball, man. Just, oh. Yeah, I, I don't want to – I don't want to – I don't want to jinx anything here um, by opening up my mouth, but I will say that uh, my, my $3 Carlos Rodon has been acquitting himself – quite well. He's been a beast since he started. He came back uh, from injury. Yeah, he's got he's got a nice live arm. Uh, he's got a no-hitter going through four today against the Angels. Well, that's that's something. Keep that going. Uh, yeah, yeah no, he's, and he's and he's limiting his walks, which was always the thing well, that I never considered him. The key with him. I, never, I never considered him much of a prospect. You knew I was never in love with him. Um, all the years that he was coming up in our league and all the people like, Oh, he kept Carlos Rodon, you know, and all that. But for three bucks, I love me some Carlos Rodon. Yeah, that's a, if there's a $3 pitcher that you take a flyer on, it's him. Sure. But the, so far, the offense, I've been uh, liking what I get. The offense has been terrible. The other pitching has not been that. Lucas Giolito has been just getting bent over all year. Yeah, I, I remember all the talk about Giolito and Kopech. And all it was with them was just big arms. That's all it was, big arms. And, and Giolito, was was he walking like seven guys every start? I was on record last year as just loving the, the trade of, of getting him from Washington for Adam Eaton. I thought I called it a rape trade because I'm like, a, a big arm like that, the potential that he could be a, a, a two or three in your rotation for a a guy that can't stop running into walls and hurting himself. Of course you make that trade. <laughs> you, love, you love Adam Eaton. Oh, fucking mascot. Uh, but yeah, Giolito's just, he, he doesn't miss nearly enough bats and also walks too many people. That's a terrible combination. When you put everybody on with the base on balls and then you decide, all right, I'm going to throw it down the middle and square this thing up. And then you just get destroyed. Oh, he's Daniel Cabrera. Oh, he's a buck. He's a buck. Yeah, but, but that was no. that was Daniel Cabrera's move, uh, formerly of the uh, Baltimore Orioles. 
I remember being so excited that I got him in his live arm in our in our fantasy league for one dollar. So his name always became Daniel Cabrera. He's a buck because that was always like, do we keep him? No, he's a buck. Well, he's a buck. He's a buck. Um, <laughs> but he always had that live arm. But that live arm, I believe, the first start he ever had for us on our team was walk, Nine walk, one. walk, grand slam. <laughs> Yeah, something like yeah, that. Yeah, nine or, that was, nine or that ten walks, nine or ten yeah. walks in four or five innings, and that was almost every start. Nobody would hit him. He'd hardly give up any hits, but he wouldn't have to because you, know, you walk the bases loaded, and all it takes is a double, <laughs> and that's three runs. Um, yeah, he was bad. So I, I hopefully <laughs> Giolito is better than that because when what you just described to me sounds so far, Daniel Cabrera. So far, he's not. <laughs> well, yeah, it's uh, it's always going to be an interesting second half of the season. All the trades that are going to go to trade, like you said, uh, the top of the show, baseball trade deadline. There's nothing quite like it because there's so many teams yeah. that get remade, redone, make such big deals of guys that you just can't even imagine in a different uniform, and then snap your fingers and nope, there there they are, they're yeah. playing uh, for the Dodgers or the Yankees or whatever. And it's I mean, also one of our, to see what teams are going to decide to go for it and make more, as you call it, dumb moves in the case of the Brewers, and what teams are going to sort of lay back and say, yeah, we'll pass this time. Yeah, I mean, nothing nothing more famous than the story that I'm sure we've told once or twice over the years on air, but uh, being at our trade deadline party oh. on the patio. I remember we were on the patio getting bit up by mosquitoes and – uh, I believe we were were we doing trades by the light of the bug zapper light. Hell yeah, Good and time. Uh, doing it that way. And one of the teams did all this machination and in trades for Nomar Garcia Parra. He just made the trade. It's going to put him over the top. And he just got Nomar. And like two minutes later, Nomar got traded to the Cubs. Only yeah, in baseball do the superstars or do the big names like that or former superstars or big names. You don't see that in football or really in basketball. I mean, the, football's trade deadline is a total joke. Right. You'd think in a sport like football with 53-man rosters, the trade deadline would be, be something worthwhile. Um, their biggest mistake is that it's too early. I believe football could really benefit from a trade deadline probably closer to Thanksgiving. And especially with the draft, this is what I do not understand with football is, is how you have the best pro sports draft and the worst trade deadline. I don't get it. That must be how ownership and and the GMs want it. Although I think they did move up the trade deadline in the last CBA a little bit, a week or two. But it could be later. It could be later. You know, baseball basically does theirs almost at the two-thirds mark. Pretty much. That's a that's a good spot. So for football, that would be week 11-ish, mid-November, maybe the week before Thanksgiving. Um, football could really benefit, I think, more from that. that would your be more team, you're two, and, you're, you're two and eight, two and nine. <laughs> right. Come on. You got a guy who's about to be a free. But, you know, at, at week six, oh, you're, you're two and three or two and four. Three and three, you're not thinking, you, know, you still got a chance. We're still in it. Everyone's still in yeah. it except the Cleveland Browns. 
Exactly. Yeah, that, that would be uh, more interesting. Yeah, I think football would benefit from that greatly. So, Kamish, yeah, Goodell, bas- Fidel, Fidel, <laughs> call us. Yeah, basketball's trade deadline. Their uh, they, their big moves are in the in the off season. It's not really a yes. trade deadline. Right, and hockey, nobody cares. Right. Who sideswipe at hockey for no reason? It's, I like it. Uh. Uh, oh, we. Uh, I don't. You probably don't have any real long opinions on it, but I did want to take a second to laugh at the St. Louis Cardinals uh, shit canning their their shit for brains manager Mike Matheny. Wow! Yeah, I saw that. I kind of laughed. Right after this, I have to. Right after, this, fan. This, <laughs> right after this article came out about the the culture of their clubhouse, which basically he he appears to be trying to be the the old school manager, uh, allowing his younger guys to sort of get raised and hazed and ragged on by the veterans. Uh, there was a uh, article that came out Cold, about how old red territory here, something like that pretty much would uh, in detail about how terrible Bud Norris was specifically uh, treating Jordan Hicks, like really, really terrible treatment. Of, uh, and and it, it pretty much condoned and, and, uh, okay with everybody because it's just a veteran teaching a young kid, you know, how to be a major leaguer, shit like that. That's all sports, though, isn't it? I mean, I think you give it enough, you'll find stories like that. I don't think it's that the stories like that are, are less common. I think that's just the one that got out. Right, because he gets canned right after that. And to for that to make a difference in him getting fired would – Indicate that the that the the manager management and ownership didn't know anything about the clubhouse culture, and I refuse to believe that. I think they know no, they exactly. No, until they if got they were out, fifteen games over five hundred, yeah, if they were fifteen games over five hundred and winning games, they would, nobody care. Right, he's away. Mm-hmm. It's it's creating a winning culture in our locker room. Clearly, it's working. <laughs> but they're losing, and it, and it puts a bad shine on them. So okay, he's got to go. Yeah, you used to see stuff like that a lot, a lot more. But I think it's getting more and more to, uh, to the point where stuff like that is the exception and not the norm. Which is, as far as I'm concerned. Yeah, no, there, there, there should be a, the, no place for for stuff like that. Or you, 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 you got a rookie hazing, or kid's got to come up through the system, and he's got to do the stuff that the guys that when they were. His age were forced to do is hey, come on, really? It's going to make you a better hey. ball player. Come on. No, I, I think everyone knows the line of human decency when it comes to stuff like that. No one's saying that that there shouldn't be any kind of initiation or it could uh, be fun. Yeah, you know, you know, dressing up the the rookies or something like that is fine. Having them carry the. A girl's book bag full of candy to the bullpen. That's fine. When you start getting over the line, when you start getting the stuff that if someone did it to you, you'd be like, "Hey, that's not right. That's not fair." Then you, you know you have to pull back. Right. That's why. That's why I did a little. That's 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 why I did my few good men reference to the code red there. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. That, that's that's what I was reading. I was getting to to that to that point pretty much. Uh, so what else do we want to cover here tonight before we get ready for our Hall of Infamy inductions? Oh, I don't know. Anything, anything, uh, anything pressing? Anything you got to get off your chest? Ooh, 
that, that's uh, opening a Pandora's box with me. Now, um, I, I guess I can, can I kill another sponsor? Um, <laughs> who else are we knocking off our show? I, I, I'm not going to kill the right sponsor because I actually don't remember what company this this is. Whoa. But my wife was using a a one of those mail your food to your to your house companies. Um, and okay, God, I don't want to because it, it's I don't I I I'm going to say the name Hello Fresh. I don't think it's Hello Fresh, but it's a company okay. like that. It's one of those. Okay, companies so it's Hello Fresh esque. <laughs> yes. You've, okay. you've seen the commercials that there's so many different companies that are offering their uh, to, to send you full meals and every ingredient that you need and not just that and the other. Uh, they'll mail it to your house and, and you don't have to uh, worry about going to the store and getting all the ingredients. You don't have to worry about uh, cooking instructions. They'll mail you the recipes. And it all seemed like a, a great idea. And, and the, the meals that we had have all been very good. However, we have had problems with those packages. Uh, they they put everything in one huge cardboard box, and then they fill the, the food around with uh, bags of gel, like frozen gel and whatnot, trying to keep it fresh. Sometimes those bags of gel uh, bust open, and you got gel all over your food, which is not good. <laughs> oh, yeah, no, that's not good. Sometimes the boxes are left for an extra day or two uh, in maybe a FedEx warehouse or in a truck or something like that. And we live, of course, in Memphis, Tennessee. You don't want boxes of food sitting anywhere for longer than you have to in Memphis, Tennessee. So we've gotten food before that's also been, uh, I don't think this is good anymore. Uh, So issues like that. And then this past uh, Sunday night, she had some red meat. She cooked up some burgers, and she noticed, she told me after the fact, uh, my wife told me that she noticed that the opening of the package of the red meat was, uh, it wasn't sealed completely. It was opened uh, during the shipping, you know, got a puncture in there or something like that. Uh, but she tried to pit, she tried to put it on me. She goes, uh, as your rule goes, if it smells okay, you can go ahead and eat it. And so she grilled them up anyway. Um, okay. First of all, my rule is for me. It's not for anyone else's stomach. It's for me because my stomach is is iron and I can eat anything and I, and I'm a and I'm a pig. <laughs> so I didn't intend for that to be her rule for cooking us red meat. But anyway, she cooked up these burgers. Uh, she woke me up at three or four in the morning uh, in the bathroom, uh, hacking up a lung, oh. and made me call in sick to my job uh, just to keep an eye on her for the day, not because I was feeling sick at all. So she initially wondered if it was the burgers and I'm thinking, well, maybe not because I'm sitting here and, you know, I'm fine. Two hours later, I'm hiking up along um, and I had eaten breakfast and there, there went breakfast and there went everything behind breakfast. And it was basically uh this is this past Monday. The entire day was me and her taking turns in the bathroom and we were weak and we were sick and it was not a pretty sight. And we are officially done with that particular service. And I'm sure we're pretty much done with any other food mailing service. So that's my big warning uh, to anyone listening is those food mailing service. And the food was good. That's the thing that kills us. The food was very good. Uh, the preparation was 
nice and quick and, and convenient. Most of the meals didn't take very long to prepare. Some of them did, but most of them were, were 20 minutes or so. So she was actually very pleased with the uh, with the service. She was posting pictures on Facebook of, of all the meals that she was making and giving uh, the proper credit to these companies. Sure. Uh, and then all of a sudden, <laughs> she made some sort of post yesterday about, okay, after just bout of food poisoning, I have to officially be done with you, and, and that's that's going to be the end of that. So, if you were thinking about uh, getting any kind of food mailed to your to your house, uh, it might work out better if you're not in the deep south or the mid south and with, with hundred degree temperatures. But even without that issue. It's still uh, FedEx or whatever courier might throw the package around and not take care of it. You might have stuff busted up inside there. It's just not worth it. Just go go to the grocery store and, and fight with all the, the cows at the grocery store like you always have. Yeah, I was a little curious to see that. I know my wife does something very not, – not quite that where it's mailed to the house, but I know my wife does a lot of online ordering with, through the local grocery store that she works by and then just goes and picks up the groceries after work. Yeah. So that way everything is picked for you and it's still from the grocery store, <laughs> you mm-hmm. know. So there's there, there's her only complaint and, and is that I don't she doesn't know if they have something where this is a policy, but it seems like they put two things in every bag. So we end up with this and That's you can my complaint. You can appreciate we end up with this ungodly amount <laughs> of plastic bags. That was my complaint. Um, I was I was wondering if she's going to have the same issue that I do. Okay. This, when this they, so when they when they pre pull the groceries for you, they put like two things in every bag. We ha- I when I go to and I'll say Walmart because that's the only place. I think we have other stores that yeah. will do it too. But uh, I've I've done that from Walmart and ordered you know fifteen items online and they put them in ten bags. Yes, that, that's my issue as well. Yeah, and I have gone full tinfoil hat conspiracy theory here when it comes to. <laughs> Self-checkout. Okay. I have figured out the way that all these stores are pushing their self-checkout. Because you go there now, right? You go to Walmart, you go to Sam's Club, you go to the grocery store, and there's somebody there whose job it is isn't to check you out. It's their job to tell you to use the self-checkout. It's like, why don't you just fucking yes. check me out instead of telling me to use <laughs> self-checkout? And I don't like that. Like, I don't go into McDonald's and use the kiosk. I will walk up to the counter. I still believe that, you know, I, I, I am sort of doing the get off my lawn here, but I, I don't want the kiosk or the self-checkout because I know what happens. They do that so that they don't have to pay people to do those jobs, and that's that hurts jobs. But here's where I've gone full conspiracy theory with Walmart and all these places that are trying to push people towards self-checkout. They put the most inept person in the whole store now on the regular checkout lines. <laughs> I I have it used to be you'd go to the checkout lanes and you'd get some rock stars, right? These people they'd be checking you out, they'd be talking, they'd be able to do talking to gum at the same time, and they'd actually be able to check you out and get you out of there. Not anymore. And, and hmm. I don't want to I don't want to say that this is I'm not picking on any particular group of people here, but. Uh, it, it's always like some 80 year old lady <laughs> who could barely like read anything. Who's probably already like cancer riddled from the laser beam that's been hitting her for the last 60 years. You wow. know, <laughs> I'm just saying, this is who you've got. The person who's been staring at the beam. Come on. 
You know how they tell you don't look at the beam. I mean, but this is who you get to check you out at every place. The slowest possible person. Or or the person who came straight from the McJobs program. Just everybody deserves a job, but don't put the Walmart greeter on the checkout lanes. But it's it's like this is like a corporate strategy. I, I would be shocked or not shocked to find out that some company in some boardroom has got this documented on paper that let's push everybody towards like what are the ways? Let's let's brainstorm here. What are the ways that we can push people towards the self checkout? Somebody you know came up with the idea. Well, let's put our worst people on the checkout lanes. Let's just frustrate people so much that they don't want to stand in line. Well, I I wish I could go with that theory, but I the reason I can't is because maybe you're shopping in better places than I am, but I've never had a rock star cash register person, at least not in the last 20 years. I remember when I was living on the <laughs> north side of Chicago uh, that some of those uh, cashiers at the at the Jewel Osco would be rock stars. I, I'll agree with that. But God, the WalMarts and the Jewels that I was at in in Chicago before I moved down here, and the, the Kroger down here—they're all garbage to me. So I don't yeah, know. But it, uh, it's getting—it's gone from bad any to worse at all. It's gone from bad to worse. And and and, and no joke, yeah. the person the person who's standing there telling me that I need to go use the self checkout looks like they'd probably be the best cashier in the whole store. Yeah. Like, well, wait, wait a minute. You, you, you look like you'd do a pretty good job of you know, checking me out on the actual lane instead of Methuselah over there. <laughs> Why don't you try that? But every time I go in the line now, that's all I can think of. Like, this is a corporate strategy. I'm totally getting screwed, but I don't want to go through the self-checkout because I am, I am sort of opposed to it. I, I, I just am not somebody like that, that likes the idea, one, that I go through a store and I got to do it all myself. Like, you could, you could at least – I could at, if I'm spending money in your store, you can at least scan my purchase and bag it for me at the minimum. Yeah, that's old school. I, now I got to do that, too? Yeah. What do you mean I got to pump all. my own gas? <laughs> right. <laughs> no, no, I'm just, that's a joke, by the way. I, I, but the, the second part. But yeah. come on. I, I, Self-checkout. It's just they don't have to pay people. That That's another reason I don't know if there's a conspiracy out there because it's pretty obvious that they put the self scanners in there because they don't want to pay people. I don't think that's any question at all. Right. So I don't think they're really hiding what they're, what they're doing. They're trying to get rid of humans. Yes. Because <laughs> clearly what's good for a healthy economy is less jobs. And you're very sensitive to that. I think, I think you're very sensitive to that because you've been in retail for so many years. So that does, and as I understand I understand, but for me, yeah, I'm I'm at the self scanner every time because I love it because I don't have to deal with these motherfuckers. I love it so much. I, I'm sorry. It's made it's perfect for you. Yes, because I hate people because they're all cocksuckers. Yes, this is why we we're on a podcast. You know, hosting a podcast is great. One of the one of the one of the hosts hates humans. That's that's a good trait to have. I hate the human race. Listen to our podcast. I hate you. Work for Rush Limbaugh? What the fuck? Come on. Brooklyn, you're on, cocksucker. 
<laughs> I hate your ass. What do you want? Jeez. Houston, hello. This has now become the Deadwood podcast. You dropped a <laughs> cocksucker on our show. Oh, but yeah, you get me started on, on these people, these these retail people that just make your, your ass hurt. Uh, that'll that'll get me going. Man, I'll, I'll I'll say this. I'll be positive. Fast food drive outs, so much more courteous down here in Memphis than in Chicago. Just any drive through you go to, they're much better service than any yeah. place in Chicago. It's unbelievable. I mean, and it's obviously the, the southern versus the northern, but I, I can testify. It is a difference. It is a huge difference the way you're treated down here by, I, by people. I would agree. I, I would agree completely. I mean, obviously, growing up in Chicago and, and in the city, you know, not the suburbs, but you know, that's why it always bothered me when when I moved out of out of Chicago. When I was in Wisconsin, and people would be talking and be like, "Yeah, I'm from Chicago," and they'd be like, "Oh yeah, me too." I'd be like, "Oh yeah, oh yeah, what part? Oh Deerfield." I'm like, get out of here. <laughs> what, what, oh really? What part are you from? The Chicago part. <laughs> Just went through Apple. that at the gym, but, but but go ahead. Yeah, you know, but you know, you know what I'm talking about. Us, us people who grew up in the city, it's a big bone of contention with the suburban people, and you know that. You mean us people? You, but you no, know I, what I'm saying, us city people, us city folk. You know, the people who actually lived in it and grew up in it all the time. And you're like, oh, you know, you talk to somebody, somebody, and you're like, oh yeah, I grew up in Chicago. Oh yeah, so did I. Oh great, what part of the city? Lombard, huh? <laughs> I don't remember the Lombard neighborhood. Real quick, I just went through this at the gym. It, it, I'm, I'm not going to remember where she said she was from, but some woman that was gracious enough to help us after my wife uh, fell off uh, some equipment at the gym. Uh, oh, she's, I, yeah, uh, she's, she's fine. Uh, but I was wearing my Bears shirt, and the woman then exclaimed that she's from Chicago or the Chicago area, and the part that she told me was a suburb and then she tried to explain it though. At least she gave me some context. She basically said when she says whatever that town is, people go, where's that? I don't know. I've never heard of that. Where, how far from whatever is that? So now she just says yeah. Chicago to avoid all of that. And that kind of makes sense. Okay. But at the same time, she saw the look on my face when she said, because I've responded right back to her face. That's not Chicago. Just like that. Well, and she's like, you're right. You're right. I know. If you're from Chicago, a suburb of Chicago, and you're talking to another person who's from the area or in the city, you'll have heard of it. If you are like, oh, yeah, I'm from the Chicago area. I just say Chicago because it's easier. Your ass is out by, like, Peoria. (laughs) You're out in a cornfield 160 miles away, and you just want to feel like you're being cool. And you're from Freeport or something like that, just way out, you know. You're not from Chicago because anybody who's from Chicago kind of knows like most of the suburbs. You just, that's just the way of life. <laughs> but I moved down here to Memphis and no one knows where Downers Grove is. So I just say Chicago. <laughs> but again, it was, it wasn't, talking I don't think it was Downers Grove, but it was Chicago, something like that. You know where Downers Grove is. Right. Uh, yeah, but here in Memphis, nobody knew. So that, that, that was, that was her, that's her story and she's sticking to it. Yeah, yeah. And so you don't get that crap. I, I, I bet you, you talk to somebody who's from New York, and they don't tell you they're from New York. They tell you from Hoboken, right? 
or they tell you they're from some place on Long Island, or they tell you, you know, even though you're right next to New York, they're going to go, I'm from New York City. If you're from Newark, no. you're from Newark. Yeah, it's, it's not the same. I, I can't explain it, but... It's like Chicago well, and, and, sort of become this all-encompassing, like, metro area. Yeah, I'm just from Chicago. And, and that kind of gets into the the, the bigger uh, issue of the state of Illinois, which is basically two states. You talk, uh, you talk oh, about yeah, California absolutely. wants to California wants to secede uh, into three different states. Mm-hmm. Illinois, for the longest, has wanted to secede into two states, basically, because basically Chicago yeah. and everything else. Yeah, it, it would be like Lake County, Cook County, DuPage County, you know, that that like five or six county area that makes up the Chicago metro and then the rest of the rest of Chicago. And it's funny because if you live in Chicago, everything that's not Chicago is downstate. Yes. No matter how far it's away downstate. it is, it's downstate. It's downstate. It could be north of you, but it's, it's downstate. <laughs> Not due north, yeah, because a, due north, you know, if you're in Chicago, that stretch of that stretch of suburbs that extends all the way up to the Milwaukee border, and and I would actually contend now, Milwaukee itself is all oh, yeah. part of Chicago. Like that whole stretch well, of Chicago up through like the Gurney Mills area, Racine, Kenosha, Milwaukee. That's all like one big you know corridor. That's like Boston and Philly, or Boston, New York, Philadelphia, you know, Baltimore. All those cities in a row, even though there's stuff in between, they're all just sort of that the metroplex over there. Chicago's sort of becoming that. So if you're in the northern suburbs of Chicago, you're fine. You're not a downstater. But if you're out west, you're up at like Moline or those. They're downstate. That's downstate. Downstater. And yeah, Milwaukee's been the biggest suburb of Chicago for quite a while now. And it's even yeah, it's, and it's even more, you know, urban sprawl now yeah. than ever before so that's all excuse me that's all like one long drive from chicago you know to, to a suburb of chicago yeah I, milwaukee is basically a suburb it's an hour and a half away and it is uh, a lot more urban I, the, the last time i went through milwaukee i was like oh my god am i in louisville what the hell it's just looking more <laughs> worse and worse every time i go through there and milwaukee yeah milwaukee's kind of an interesting area. I mean, the only time I ever go to Milwaukee is to go down to like a baseball game. That is it. Yeah. Can't, there's no, I have no reason. I have no business to go to the largest city in my state. I go to Madison. Madison's a nice city. College party town. Well, well, yeah. In Green Bay. I go to Green Bay, go to Packer games. I'm all set. I will be at the, most likely, I will be at the Packers game on September 16th. And they play the Vikings. That should be interesting. Oh, yeah. And uh, at a time of year that you don't have to worry about ice and snow and crap. So, yeah, that'll be really No, and, well, and what's interesting is I always do make the trip uh, whenever the Falcons come to town. And the Falcons always have a bad habit of coming to town in December. And they're coming yeah. to town this year in December. I think the NFL offices do that on purpose. I think they December just kind of over the Dome teams. Oh my God! Yeah, December ninth, the Falcons are making the trip up um, to Lambeau Field. I'm gonna I'm gonna get tickets. I, I'm almost guaranteed that I'm gonna make sure I get the tickets for that, so I can go. Because again, it's my team, and they're gonna be 80 miles, 85 miles away from here. I gotta go. It's guaranteed to be 10 degrees that day. Yeah, the one time I went, it was <laughs> eight eight degrees at kickoff, and we were in the upper deck and 
It had about a 30, 35 mile an hour wind right at oh. our faces. God. And there were snow flurries and snow flurries. Because the cold wasn't enough. It was an awful, awful experience. We had fun. I mean, we made the most of it. We were drinking our hey, hot chocolate. I remember, I remember I was drinking hot cruise. chocolate. Yeah. <laughs> All the time. Really. <laughs> I remember walking. I had a cup of hot chocolate in my hand. I was drinking it as we were going to the stadium from where we were parked, which is probably about four, six blocks away from the stadium because uh, you don't park in the stadium lot. You just park in like a grocery store lot. You know, it's like you pay your 20 bucks and then you, you, we were doing a little tailgating. We had a little grill and we were all bundled up and we had hot chocolate. And I'm walking to the stadium with my hot chocolate. It froze. That's ridiculous. No joke. It froze in my cup. Before I got to the stadium, I threw away frozen hot chocolate. That's how cold it was that day. Hot frozen chocolate. That doesn't yes. really go together. Yeah. But I had a hell of a time. Yeah, had a great time. Uh, you reminded me of uh, talking about there's nothing to do in Milwaukee, basically. It reminded me of the time that uh, me and, and Dave, the movie expert, and our former best friend Rory went down to Milwaukee for, for a Bucks game. And we got a hotel room and, and spent the night down there. And I probably have told this story on the show. We've been this is going into our sixth year of the podcast, by the way. You realize that? It's, it's unbelievable. It's crazy, huh? We've been doing this that long. So I'm sure I've told the story on the show somewhere before. But uh, we, we, we leave the Bucks game. It's Saturday night. And we're like, it's Milwaukee. Saturday night, is there anything? Nothing, first of all, nothing seemed to be open. Um, but we're driving around trying to find something to do, somewhere to go. We see some 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 lights. And we decided to go over to wherever the lights were flashing because there's like pretty much nothing else open. And the lights were flashing for a strip club called Arts Performance Center. And hmm. like art like, with an apostrophe. So it's like art from Night Court was, was it wasn't really art from Night Court. But it was, <laughs> oh, I get it. it. A, yeah, it was a guy's art name. Was, Arts. Art was the guy. Performance yes. Center? Arts Performance Center was the name of the strip club. That, and that's oh not boy. a that oh. Did you go in? We went in. We we paid the four dollar cover charge and we went <laughs> in. What all right, what does four dollars <laughs> buy you in Milwaukee? I, I, I must know. Really ugly, skanky strippers all wearing Milwaukee Bucks jerseys. <laughs> You know, the sad part was most of them probably could fit Giannis's name on there. No, these are ugly crack whore uh, strippers that that were skinny (laughs) as hell. These weren't the the big cows. That's a different strip club up there, I'm sure. Oh, I get it. Yeah, these are the strung out ones. Um, The the best part that. uh, No. Ed Tetacompo actually. (laughs) Did I actually say that right? Uh, I think so. Yeah, well, I you know I have to watch Bucks. I'm subjected to Bucks basketball. I was about to say you live in the state, so at least you've heard it a, a time or two. Yeah, I, I I have to say I actually I actually enjoy watching Giannis. He's a, he is one hell of a basketball player. He's probably the best player left in the fucking Eastern Conference now. So are the Bucks the favorites to win the East? They might be. <laughs> wow. Yeah. Wow. It's so bad. It's it so is. bad. They're gonna. They're gonna just. They're not gonna want to just reseed 
the playoffs. They're just going to want to eliminate the East. Either the he's East the best has just or... officially become the D League. <laughs> yeah. Either he's the best or it's Kawhi Leonard who officially wants to put two guns in his mouth and blow <laughs> his brains out before he plays in Toronto. It's one of them two. Yeah, anyway, he did get banished, part... didn't he? Oh, you want a trade, son? You'll get a trade, son. <laughs> Here you go. No trade clause. Learn the term. No trade clause, kid. Better luck next time. Hire a better no agent, way, kid. No way Popovich was trading him into the, into the, into the, into the Western Conference. No. Now, the best part about Art's Performance Center that I can't even tell, because I, I, I didn't see it. Dave has to tell oh. the story, and, and Dave has to tell you what he saw. Dave went to the men's room. At Arts Performance Center. Uh, okay. And when he came out of the men's room, he had a wide-eyed look, the, the likes of which I've never seen on Dave in the 20-plus years that I've known him. And all he did was, and he was, his face was white as a ghost. And all he did was he sat back down at the bar with us, and he looked at me and Rory, and he just said, Do not go in there. <laughs> It wasn't like an Ace Ventura do not go in there either. <laughs> I, I and I asked him what the hell what 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 did you see that and he just repeat do not go oh, in no. there. Okay, all right. Oh, to this day, no. he, has, he has not told me what he saw in that bathroom. So that's it's a mystery for him. <laughs> Wait, have, to, you, uh, have you ever asked? Have you ever broached yeah. the subject? Yeah. All right. Next time. Next time we have him on. <laughs> Next year's Oscar show because I missed the Oscar show this last year. It's the only show I've ever missed. I was oh yeah that I had a good reason though I had a hell of a good reason, (laughs) uh, which I believe I have talked about on this show. We never told we never actually said that that was why I wasn't on the show. I was recovering from my surgery. Um, That was why I wasn't on the show. So if anybody's ever going to wonder, I was on drugs. Um, that's why I didn't make the show next year though on the Oscar show we have to remember I have to ambush him and say hey Dave you have to tell me about Arts Performance Center yeah write write that down in your notes uh, so you can remember yeah. it or something yeah notes <laughs> notes good, good call. <laughs> I'm sorry I forgot who I was talking to yeah notes um, save it into a memo on your phone or something it's my in the memory banks Arts Dave, that tells the Arts Performance Center story. Go. He's never told me what he saw in there. I I, I can only imagine. (laughs) You know, and it's worse not knowing. It is. Because I really wanted to know. No, but then your mind takes over because you're wondering what he saw. And you're like, what would be so bad that he'd never tell me about it? And then you're like, oh, no. Then you you start to realize, (laughs) you know, it's it's not so much about the story anymore. It's about what you think the story is. Well, I'll tell you the three things that I've all these years that I've thought <laughs> it has it, it, it has to be one of these three. Because otherwise, hey, I'd never seen that look on his face before. It had to be either a, a bunch of semen on the walls. It had to be a bunch of fecus, uh, uh, fecal matter oh. on the wall. Or some guy was on the on his knees giving the guy a blowjob. That's the only three things I can think of. Otherwise, yeah. I don't don't know what else it could be. But he's never said. He's never said. Yeah, if it was yeah, if it was just dirty, I think you'd know. Right, but this was something else. This was something yeah. completely. Saw, I think old, old boy saw something he didn't want to see. 
So tune into our Oscar show next year. <laughs> for suspense. To hear Dave the movie expert tell will, us exactly will, what the will hell Dave he's Dave the movie expert, will Dave the movie expert tell us about Arts Performance Center? Tell us what he could have seen on that fateful night in 1998. <laughs> whatever year that was. Well, it's a 20-year anniversary. <laughs> whatever year it was. It was, something around, it was somewhere around okay. that time. Around there, okay. Yeah. It's so much better when you tie it up in a bow with an anniversary, though. Well, we can say it was 98, because there's no way we can disprove that. I'm pretty sure it was a Knicks game, but they, of course, play the oh. Knicks every year. So, so uh, Sunday night, we have MLB Hall of, all of infamy. infamy. Hall of uh, Hall of Fame slash Hall of Infamy, because it's not all bad. That's That's true. I think I've kind of dropped the Hall of Fame part just for brevity over the years. I know. But you're, I know. But you're right. It is uh, the Hall of Fame slash Hall of Infamy. And, and yes. we highlight the guys that were in our, our memories and part of our childhood growing up and also guys that have done things since we became adults that made them infamous. That The, 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 the major sports may not necessarily want you to remember. You know, uh, there's a lot of guys that have done yeah. a lot of things that made themselves that if it's really if there really was a such thing as a real Hall of Fame that these guys would be in because they would fit the, the, the fame part. It would be, hey, this guy is famous. He should be in the Hall of Fame, but they don't do it like that. So we have to fill in the gaps. So we put in the guys and, and sometimes not guys. Sometimes there's inanimate objects. Sometimes there's events. Oh, yeah. Sometimes there's uh, there's different quotes throughout the years. Uh, but we put in anything that we think needs to be highlighted because it was famous. It, it brought fame, and, and we have to fill in where the uh, the major sports have sort of slacked off. Yeah, and I'm excited because those are always, always, always some of our most fun shows. So anybody who listens to this podcast, if you're going to listen to any of our shows, you got to at least listen to the All of Infamies honors and dishonors because I those we are always on our game for those shows. Yes, it's always a good time. We uh get all our little pithy quotes together and yeah. and get all our memories yeah. and we we kind of pop each other and shock each other with some of our injuries cuz we're like, "Oh, I remember that. I had forgotten about that." So, I think that's the part that we look forward to the most the sort of surprising uh, each other with what Yeah, we got. there's some gamesmanship, I would say, between us doing it. So, that's okay. Oh, sure. Uh, that's perfectly fine. Or uh, last year, I believe I was. I went back and listened to both of our shows last year, and I actually I forget who it was, but I got you to scratch somebody off your list on something. Um, <laughs> like I finally got somebody in, and you're like, oh, well, there's off the list, off my list. <laughs> <laughs> so, I, I remember right. doing that too. I don't remember who you're talking about. Yeah, yeah, I don't remember exactly who it was, but I did make a point to go back and listen to uh, both last year's baseball show and the football show. Kind of get myself kind of pumped up and ready and um, in that in that spirit. So I'm, I'll, I'll be I'll be ready to go Sunday night with five more entries into the baseball wing of our uh, Hall of Fame slash Hall of Infamy. There you go, and I'll be back on uh, Sunday, July or uh, Sunday August the fifth with the uh, NFL yep. version of the Hall of Infamy. So we will see you guys next weekend. He is Jay. I am Dre. This has been Kings of Non Sequitur, the all season version of the Much Less Detail Podcast.
With the Lucky Land Slots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. This is your captain speaking. Uh, we've got clear runway and the weather's fine, but we're just going to circle up here a while and uh, get lucky. No, no, nothing like that. It's just these cash prizes add up quick. So I suggest you sit back, keep your tray table upright, and start getting lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details.